Hello and welcome to the Data Cloud Podcast. This week, we're sharing a previously published interview with Mike Siswanto, Senior Vice President at Northern Trust. In this episode, Mike unpacks how to eliminate the noisy neighbor problem by utilizing a total portfolio view in Snowflake, allowing for a consolidated single source of truth for your data. So please enjoy this interview between Mike Siswanto and your host, Steve Hamm. Do you want to learn how the Snowflake Data Cloud can take your company and your career to new frontiers? From August 3rd to October 30th, the Data Cloud World Tour is making 26 stops around the globe to share how to use and collaborate with data in unimaginable ways. Hear from fellow data, tech, and business leaders and get the latest on generative AI and innovations at Snowflake at an event near you. Learn more and register at snowflake.com slash data dash cloud dash world dash tour. Mike, it's great to have you on the podcast today. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for having me. Very excited to be on this podcast. Now, Northern Trust is one of the largest and oldest banks in the United States. But some of our listeners might not be familiar with all of its its businesses, the, the full scope of what it's doing. So could you please explain what the bank is focused on and what differentiates it from other competitors? So Northern Trust is a 130-year-old bank headquartered here in Chicago with more than $14 trillion in assets under custody and administration yeah. and $1.4 trillion in assets under management. We are a leading provider of wealth management, asset management, and asset servicing, which is the business unit that I'm in. Our clients are typically large, sophisticated institutional investors, which we typically classify as either asset owners or asset managers who oversee global multi-asset portfolios. So an example of an asset owner is like a pension fund, endowments, sovereign wealth funds, family offices, and like insurance companies, while examples of like an asset manager is like a hedge fund, private equity, or other alternatives. So within asset servicing, I work in the Omnium platform technology department. And your next natural question is, what exactly is the Omnium platform technology? So the Omnium platform technology is a full-fledged middle back office platform built from the ground up to support a client's full book and records in real time with straight through processing for an investment book of records, also known as an IBOR. And in addition, an accounting book of records, also known as an ABOR. So what really differentiates us from our competitors in our space is our service, integrity, and expertise. Our primary strengths are our people and our technology. Our people are what's more critical of the two, as without them, the tech just doesn't work. We are unique in the sense that our business leaders, our subject matter experts, and our tech leaders work side-by-side in an agile methodology to enhance the Omnium platform, and the stakeholders have transparency into the clients. I like to think that while we are one of the biggest admins in the world, what sets us apart is that it's all in our DNA. We behave like a small boutique provider with a drive towards the highest level of service and pushing ourselves to get better, while we're also one of the biggest players on the market. What we're really proud of is our Omnium platform, which is able to support all financial products traded in publics and private markets and the ability to support everything all in one platform. Cool. So I I, want to make sure I understand this correctly. It seems like basically you are 
asset management, asset servicing. That is pension funds and all these 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 big outfits basically outsource technology, data management, and process to you, correct? Rather than that, doing it that's themselves. That's correct, yes. Okay, I, I get it now. That's correct, yes. We essentially service and administer all our clients' financials, right? So whether that's providing them P&L, doing custody business, okay. providing financial statements, reporting to the regulators, we do all that all in a white glove service. Yeah. 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 That makes total sense to me. So, so that, that way they can focus on strategy, on customer relations, all those kinds of things. Yeah. That is correct. Okay. That's very correct. cool. Very cool. Now you've been at Northern Trust for five years, I understand. Kind of describe what exactly your role is within the Omnium platform technology team and kind of what's your career path been within the company? Sure. Well, I play a lot of hats uh, within the organization. I'm a senior vice president, and currently I'm the head of Onium Asset Servicing Technology. Mm. So on the delivery front, I lead a portfolio of development teams within the Onium Technology Department. That's like corporate actions, reconciliation, market data, data acquisition, and data and analytics. But in addition to my delivery role, I also play a functional role as the chief architect for Northern Trust Asset Servicing Business Unit with a dotted line to the chief architect of Northern Trust. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. You really are kind of a hybrid. I mean, you're a deep, deep technology guy, but you also have to understand banking really deeply as well, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's that's one of my <laughs> unique skills, okay. right? Being able to talk at a level for all the business execs and also being able to talk all the way down to my development teams to be able to translate what these business requirements yeah. mean in a technical manner. Yeah, that makes total sense. Now, has this been your role all these five years or did you kind of work your way up to it? It started with, you know, like the delivery teams that I, that I managed that I mentioned earlier. And then I kept on getting more and more delivery teams. And now it's expanded to, you know, an overall overarching for the asset servicing, like being the chief architect to make sure that as an entire business unit, we're able to architect everything in, in resilient and reliable right. way. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, before Northern Trust, you worked for Citadel, which is a very large hedge fund. What were the key management lessons you learned in your many years at Citadel that you're putting to use at Northern Trust now? So Citadel was a fast-paced, high-energy environment. So you had to really think fast and deliver quickly. In addition, you needed to be able to context switch and juggle between multiple initiatives. And I was able to take these skill sets and apply them to my current role today at Northern Trust. So I've been very fortunate in my career thus far, working with great leaders from our Northern Trust CIO, Tom South, to our Northern Trust BU CIO of Asset Servicing, Jeff McCarter, and even to my, my current boss, which who's the head of Autumn Technology, Brian Marella. Right. All of them played an important part in my career growth and encouraged me to, to lead and drive new initiatives that are important to Northern Trust. They all empowered me to make decisions. And at the same time, I have full accountability for delivery of every team and or project I lead. Good, good, cool. I want to back up for just a minute here and talk about technology adoption. When and why did Northern Trust begin migrating its data and data applications to the cloud? And what's the status of that initiative now? The public cloud journey started roughly in 2018, 2019. 
and had different points of maturation levels throughout the organization. Like, for example, we have a platform called Front Office Solutions, which is our alternative investments platform, which was born in the public cloud. So it's 100% hosted and running in the public cloud, while you have other business units within the bank starting to get a larger cloud presence now. And so therefore, they're in the earlier stages of the public cloud journey. But overall, we're making a really big push to get majority of our estate onto the public cloud as we're seeing large benefits of the capabilities of the the public cloud brings to our platform. Yeah. So let's let's delve into the cloud a little bit further. When and why did Northern Trust first engage with Snowflake and the Snowflake platform? And what have the two companies accomplished together? So our engagement with Snowflake started roughly around Q1 2021. And during that time, we started our journey to solve one of the top industry and client challenges within the asset servicing space which is essentially clients with large, complex investment books in both the private and public market space. So these are typically your very large pension funds, sovereign wealth, family offices, etc. Right. So when they have a very large, complex private and market platforms, they, they tend to have to buy various vended solutions. So for example, for the, on the private market sides, they would have to purchase one or more vended solutions to run their private's business. While on the public side, they would also have to purchase one or more different vended solutions to run their, their public's books, right? And so each of these softwares that you're purchasing, they, they also come with their own data. So you have to manage the data separately also. And with all these vendor solutions, you're also going to have to staff them and support them all over the place, right? So these are all creating all these silo challenges, right? right? right. From software to data to, to staff and support, right? And so what we built and what we developed is a brand new cloud-native, cloud-based platform called Total Portfolio View mm. that we call that we alias as TPV. And the, this is knocking down these silos. And essentially what Total Portfolio View is built on top of two industry-leading platforms. So for the alternative investments, that's your private equity, venture capital, real estate infrastructure, that's going to be running on our front office solutions that I mentioned earlier. The public markets, which are typically your equities, fixed income, OTC derivatives, those will be running on the Omnium platform. And with Total Portfolio View Analytics, what this enables is a chief investment officer and a chief risk officer to answer the most complex top-down questions quickly and accurately, while simultaneously, the support investment and operation professionals are performing more bottoms-up or asset class-specific analysis and all of this is being done through the TPV web application modules in, in the form of performance, exposure, risk, compliance, all in near t- real time and accessible at their fingertips. Now, does Total Portfolio View, does that run on Snowflake so that in a sense, both sides, private and public books are running on Snowflake or help me understand the architecture there? Yeah, that's correct, Steve. Okay. So. We have everything hosted in, in Snowflake so that you have that, you know, consolidated single source of truth. 
And those modules that I, I mentioned earlier are built on top of it, right? So some of the Snowflake capabilities we leverage for our Northern Trust platforms of Snowflake is essentially the ease of use of the warehouse setup, right? So they give you very user-friendly ease of use knobs. For example, to set up a warehouse, you pick the size, you pick the minimum and the maximum amount of compute you want. And then you're able to pin those warehouses to various customers and users so that you're essentially eliminating a lot of the noisy neighbor problem, right? right? And and what we face is we have a very burst pattern. We have have a burst pattern in the sense that we have a follow the sun burst pattern as, as markets close in APAC, EMEA, and North America, these trades just start Get being, are being yeah. sent from our clients to us, right? right? So we have to be able to expand really quickly during those peak volume times. And Snowflake has been able to do that, right? right? And furthermore, we've been able to make further use of the warehouses by essentially pinning the various data domains to each their own compute. So that, like, again, that get, you are able to do workload isolation at, at that point, Right. And then the resiliency of the storage, right? So you're able to replicate across different regions within the public cloud provider. And then time travel, like that's, that's, you're able to use time travel features to essentially be able to recover very quickly without having to to be down, right? Mm -hmm. And, And we also take advantage of the zero copy clone feature, which essentially allows us to make various ephemeral environments for, for various development purposes. Yeah, yeah. And and one other thing that we're, we're really exploring is Snowpark, right? Mm-hmm. So so recently with Snowpark and the enablement of Python, this allows us to essentially bring a, a safe and secure facility for our data scientists to run their models on top so that they don't have to take the data in and out all the time and they're able to just stay all in within Snowflake. Right, right. That's interesting. So what advice do you have for other companies or other organizations that are considering or just starting their Snowflake journey or their or their, their public cloud journey? I would say, you know, figure out your current constraints, whether you're on-prem or you're already in the public cloud and, and, and the data platform that you chose, right? And what are you trying to solve for, right? Is it the ability to expand compute easily? Do you have a noisy neighbor problem? Do you have backup problems? Is it disaster recovery? Or is it efficient data sharing, right? For us, one of the biggest differentiators was Snowflake's data sharing capabilities, right? Right. And also the fact that it's cross-cloud so that we're able to not force our customers to come to us, but we're able to go directly to our customers into their public cloud provider and their region of choice, Right. right? right? And so in addition to that, you know, there's a lot of various modules and features that Snowflake has, for example, for Snowpark, as I mentioned, for the data science teams and, and Snowpipe for data ingestion and even Streamlit that we're starting to even All explore right. and use that to, you know, have quick and dirty GUIs that our data science team are able to even spin up themselves to, to tweak their models using user input without having, you know, me to dedicate a GUI developer right. to build them a, a bespoke tool. Well, that makes total sense. Now, you've, you've mentioned data sharing a couple of times. Explain how are you using data sharing with, with some of your big, like, pension fund clients and, and, and that kind of thing? 
Yeah, so we have two unique use cases, right? So it's one of them is external data sharing yeah. with private listing, right? So so we were very fortunate to get into the private listing private preview from Snowflake and and you know they've been really great partners and we've been giving feedback on various private previews that we've been in and private listing is, is one of them that we've been giving them a lot of feedback yeah. on right so well, explain, with private ex- listing yeah, explain what it is that that's cuz cuz most people haven't seen it yeah go ahead yeah understood yeah. so so with private listing what this allows us to do is allows us to go to any public cloud provider at any region that Snowflake hosts and ride Snowflake's backbone for essentially auto-fulfillment of our data that we choose to share our data with, right? So traditionally, what Snowflake has is the public marketplace where folks come in there and purchase data sets and, and, or, or be able to hook up data sets, right? And, and, but like with private listing, think about it like a, a private marketplace, right? So it allows Northern Trust to essentially be able to have our own private marketplace for our customers to be able to fulfill their data that Northern Trust is essentially administrating for them and sharing it with them directly, right? So with our external sharing use case with private listing is for our total portfolio, total portfolio view, Omnium, and, and front office solutions platforms that we're able to share Northern Trust's investment book of records data with our clients directly. And in turn, what they're able to do is essentially join to against their, their, their Northern Trust data with their own data to layer on and shape the data to however they would like, right? And that gives them better insights in near real time. So for example, right? The clients themselves, they can keep their proprietary alpha data within their own Snowflake account, join that with Northern Trust's data to essentially generate trading ideas or hedging insights, right? So that's like the the external data sharing use case. While internally, we're able to share within different business units, right? With with either the traditional data sharing or private listing capabilities, this allows us to essentially as data owners have only one single source of truth, right? Right. Essentially emitting that to enterprise central data catalog and giving the capabilities to share data within the organization without actually having to copy and move things around, right? So that's very powerful. Yeah. Now you talked about having, you know, the private listing service with your clients. Is that something where you're able to monetize some of that data or is that basically just a a, a function of easy sharing at this point? Yeah, very good question, Steve. So I think to us, right, it's actually a more of an operational efficiency gain, right? right? So if you think about it, think about traditional administration, like think about traditional asset servicing and admins, right? They would have to call APIs, extract out data, take that file, scan that file, ship that file, probably via SFTP to to a client. The client would take that file and load it into their, to their warehousing, right? So essentially you're cutting out a lot of the data orchestration and and essentially the data delivery workflow and just streamlining it. Right. So with data sharing, that's the, that's the efficiency gain that, that, that you, we bring to our clients. Right. Okay. Okay. Hey, I want to look to the future a bit here. Looking out over the next year or so, 
What do you think are the most significant data technology trends that you see coming? I mean, as of this recording, (laughs) I believe like over time, like a lot of the data has been harvested for decades. And now with increasing usage of AI capabilities on the rise, artificial intelligence tends to be the trend. With recent like product public releases of GP, like the chat GPT, AI is just going to be more integrated to everything that we use daily. So do you think chat GPT is is going to be used by data scientists and stuff like that? Or or are you just kind of talking a more general social and and economy kind of vision? I think it's more general, right? So like, I I think, you know, there's a lot of things that chat GPT is is really good at, right? So you, you, you throw it a large document to summarize, it will summarize it pretty well, right? right? right. You ask it really bespoke questions. Like, for example, my daughter was is a really big K-pop fan. So she was asking all chat GPT, all these bespoke K-pop idols questions, right. and it didn't get it right, <laughs> right? So it, it, it's, it's, it's all about like to improve over time with training. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it will. But it's kind of encouraging that it doesn't get everything right yet. You know? <laughs> I see the future. What a fascinating modern age we live in. Is this what the future holds? Hey, let's look even further out. And and I'm asking specifically about, you know, data management, data analytics, technology in, in business and stuff like that. Put on your visionary cap for a minute. Look out five years or more. How do you expect these technologies to change business, the economy, or even society? Yeah, very good question, Steve. So if we continue a little bit about the talk right. of AI, yeah. right, in order to train these complex, sophisticated models, it requires very large data sets, right? And a lot of these data sets, they're private. Yeah. And a lot of them have a barrier to entry and a lot of frictions to acquire, right? So I'm hoping that, you know, in five years, for a better frictionless data exchange that is agnostic to wherever the data is stored in, in whatever public cloud provider. And this will lead to, you know, essentially better models for accurate results and able to cite how and and where the AI formulated that answer, right? Yeah. So, because if you notice, like right now, they don't actually cite where they got that answer it's, it's, from. It's a black box. You don't, you don't have any idea. Yeah, but let me ask you this. If... Obviously, a lot of these foundation models, they're, they're based on everything that's on the internet. That's everything that's public. You, you mentioned a vast amount of information is privately held. So it seems like it's one thing to kind of bridge between the two. But a second thing is, how do you, I mean, there's a technology feat to be accomplished, but there's also a decision about data sharing and under what circumstances and things like that. It seems like there's there are going to be incredible governance headaches or complexities if you really try to share, you really try to use models that go between private and public information stores. So how do you see that worked out? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. It's, it's, it's going to be a, a very delicate subject, mm-hmm. right? Like you can think about like, you know, health data, right? Like uh, yeah. versus like, you know, being able to tie an actual individual down, right? So like like there's a lot of PII and HIPAA constraints that that you obviously need to abide by. And so it's going to be a very delicate and difficult task, right? So you have to find that balance and that medium. 
And, you know, I don't have that answer, yeah. but it, yeah. it's going to be a tough one to balance. Yeah, people right? are really struggling like these, with it. These models, yeah. exactly, because yeah. the, the, these models need data. And, and now it's just more of, okay, what type of data is it actually need, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, to, and, and what is it that we want to focus the AI on yeah. and, it, and, and, and make it focused on, on that subject area? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, that makes total sense. You know, you mentioned health. Now, anonymization of health data, kind of longitudinal studies and, and, and data sets, that's already something that's being managed. But it's, it's when you really start to look into data that might be proprietary to an organization, but that a whole industry, everybody in the industry can benefit from it. I think that's going to be a great, a great opportunity, but also a, a pretty big challenge, you know. It'll, it'll yeah, agree. to see how that goes. For your information, there's a lot more to ogres than people think. Really need to dig deep and get to know the real you. In the real up close and personal. You know, Mike, we're coming to the end. We typically end on a lighter note, more personal note. And I understand that you are a golf nut. And that you also, you know, you like you like your technology and you're using IoT and data analytics gizmos to help you improve your golf game in real time. So I think there are a lot of people listening to the podcast right now who are just kind of at the edge of their seats. They want to know how to improve. So give us the dope on that. Sure. No problem, Steve. So, I mean, I didn't pick up golf until later on in my adult years, right? So, and as you know, when you first start off, you're not that good. Yeah. <laughs> so you, yeah. So so you strive you strive to be better by by playing more first of all, and then also taking some lessons, right? And so I bought these IoT sensors that you stick at the end of your clubs from driver all the way to putter called Arcos back in 2019, right? So at first, all it did was collect data each round of each club you hit, and it knows how far you hit each club, and in addition, it kept your score. Right. So then they started introducing more features and, and, and they started applying AI on top of the data that it started harvesting of for you. Right. And they released this new feature called Caddy. Right. right. So basically, this whole entire app, it knows your tendencies of each club. It knows how far you hit it. It knows, it tends to know how, which direction you spray. And, and, it, and, it, and you know, it, it's able to detect where you're at relative to the green. So it also integrated weather conditions, so that includes wind now, so that it's able to take into account what club to use based off of your tendencies and whether the, the, the wind is helping or hurting. Right. So, so like that's, that's like a very cool feature. When I first saw it, I'm like, wow. This is pretty neat. This is pretty cool. Yeah, and then it started improving, right? Yeah, it even started yeah. improving because they started adding more features like strokes gain, right? Mm-hmm. So you're able to compare, you're at a certain index and you're able to compare, hey, what part do I need to work on? Is it my putting? Is it my short game? Is it my irons? Is it my drives, right? So you're able to compare for your index relative to what skill set you need to improve. Right, right. And then you could also compare yourself against other indexes to see what does it take to get there, yeah, right? Yeah. So it, I, I thought like it, that was pretty cool, being able to apply the data that it collects and, and, and putting AI intelligence on top of right, it. Right, right. No, that's absolutely fascinating. 
Yeah, this has been an interesting conversation today. I see parallels between that and just a moment ago, we were talking about kind of real-time insights for, you know, big money managers and stuff like that. And there, there certainly is a parallel between golfing and, and back office pension fund management. I didn't know that until now. So that's, that's kind of something <laughs> new and fun. It's been really fun talking to you, you know. One tends to think, this is no insult intended, that that very old, very large banks are kind of like stuck in the technology mud. But it's really clear from, from talking to you that Northern Trust is really using technology in very aggressive ways to serve its clients and, and looks like tremendous you know, insights and tremendous efficiencies to the, to the customers. So I applaud you guys for that. So thank you. That's, that's great. Yeah, Steve. yeah. So thank you so much for talking to us today. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate everything. Thanks for having me. Yeah. How you approach data will define what's possible for your organization. Data engineers, data scientists, application developers, and a host of other data professionals who depend on the Snowflake Data Cloud continue to thrive thanks to a decade of technology breakthroughs. But that journey is only the beginning. Catch up on all the latest announcements from Snowflake Summit, including advancements with generative AI and LLMs, flexible programmability, application development, and much more. Watch now at snowflake.com slash summit slash livestream.